everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And we have another episode of The Bad Bachelor for you. So last time we covered six episodes. Now we're covering three, which I feel like is a reasonable number. Yeah, it definitely is. But we had a really good conversation last time. I think we were able to tackle like overarching themes a lot better by doing that many episodes. I I feel like that happens a lot, like, whenever I'm feeling, like, a certain kind of way about Star Wars, and then we kind of, like, talk it out, and we always manage to find, like, something to take out of it, Um, because that even happened when we, like, gaslit ourselves about Tross. (laughs) I think you gaslit yourself more than I did. I gaslit myself so hard, but I was like, I have to also gaslight Alex. (laughs) I don't know. I don't, like... Oh man, I was in that full was a denial. dark, the, the dark times. That was a very dark time. Um, but now we're in the bad batch time, and I'm gonna be honest. Like I kind of feel like so we had we're talking about the mid season, um, mm-hmm. which is episode seven and eight, and then episode nine. And I'm literally messages to Alex, and I feel like bad batch has finally like gotten it together. Yeah, I definitely do. Um... I think it was a pretty strong mid-season. Uh, we're starting to see, I guess, like the re- repercussions of um, different, you know, people leaving the Bad Batch and like mm-hmm. emotionally connecting to that and everything. Yeah. And that's definitely what's been missing so far this season. Mm-hmm. So before we get into that, uh, recommendations, here's the thing. Um, These two recommendations were on here last week, and I just kept them because they're still recommended. So I, last time, Alex read Daisy Jones and the Six, and this time I read it, and now I'm an emotional mess. I can't stop thinking about it. It's so good. So I listened to the audiobook on Alex's recommendation because you had heard that the audiobook was really yeah, good. Yeah, I didn't actually Can listen confirm. to I didn't listen to the audiobook, but I had heard that it was a full cast audiobook and that it was good. Yeah, can confirm it's phenomenal. It it was literally like listening to them like have their interview, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because that's what it is. It's like interview style. And it just drives home even more. Like, what do you mean this isn't a real band? This is a real band. It no, was real they're to real me. to me. <laughs> they're real to me. me. <laughs> they're um, on Apple Music. They are real. Yeah. And especially, so, like, there, there's a scene. I'm not going to say what it is because it's a spoiler. But, like, Alex, I'm sure you'll know what I, I mean. So, like, when we get, like, one of the big reveals um, and the way that it's structured in the book, it's kind of like... Daisy's talking about something and the interviewer like stops her yeah and so when I was listening to that like it really felt like a real reaction like something had gone wrong with the recording and I was like what what's happening and I was like cute and I was like oh my god (laughs) it's a great moment in the book (laughs) it's such a great moment in the book um so 10 out of 10 highly recommend and they have like an instrumental of um honeycomb in it which is really good. And so then when I actually listened to the version of Honeycomb that's going to be on the show, like, it's not what I thought it was going to be. No. But it's still good. I really like um, the music they've released so far with the show. It's just not mm-hmm. what I imagined. It's not It's not like what I imagined the music would be like, but I really like it. Plus, all of the actors are <sighs> actually singing and actually playing instruments. 
I'm like literally dead. You know, Suki Waterhouse, who is a musician, Mm -hmm. but she didn't know how to play the keyboard. She learned how to play keyboard just so she could get this role because she wanted the role so badly. Listen, Karen Karen, she was my favorite character. Yeah, I love Karen. And like, yeah, so Suki Waterhouse was so dedicated that even though she's already like a very successful musician in her own right, like she learned a new musical instrument to play Karen. That's just insanity and, to like, me. Riley had to learn how to belt. <sighs> and it, oh my God, that article that you said, it's literally how they record like one of Daisy's parts like yeah. in the book. I, wow. It's yeah. just, I'm really, really excited. Like we, we were talking about this, like it comes out like the same time, like the same week as The Mandalorian. And like, I'm so sorry to Star Wars, but I, I am know. so excited for Daisy Jones and the Six. And you know, like the review embargo for Daisy seemed to have just dropped today because I'm starting to see early reviews and people are raving. I'm People so, are saying this is a good oh. adaptation. And I'm, I'm so, so happy excited. That. Like, because that book is so freaking good. Like, it, it's magical, like, how good yeah. it is. And, you know, like, I'm worried of the about the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo adaptation. Yes. But Elise will have Daisy, right? Yes. Like, it sounds like Daisy's going to be amazing. And, and, like, I finished Daisy and I was like, you know what? I think I like Seven Husbands better. Maybe just a little bit better. And then I've, like, sat with it. And I'm like, I think I like Daisy better. I literally was going to say the same thing. And I think it's because, like, with Seven Husbands, like, you spend so much more time with the characters. Like, because it's longer. Yeah. Like, it's a longer book. More things happen. But, like, the drama of Daisy Jones and the Six. And I feel like the way that it's just, like, a snapshot of something that happened. And it, like, really leaves you, like, wanting to know more about these characters and their lives. And, like... I, it's, I love it's so good. I love the way that you do get every point of view. So like a story sounds mm-hmm. different based off of who's talking. It the it's very much like an un- not a reliable narrator, and then with the ending, learning that there's another layer to how it could be unreliable. Like yeah, it's, oh, it's so good. Guys, read it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing that I left on here from last week is The Last of Us. Did you watch the new episode of The Last of Us? Yeah. Or is Crave still dumb? Crave is being dumb, but I did watch it. Okay. I, oh my God. Can I just, like, it's so good. We say I was every like, time. Cry- why am I always so crying? Good. I always why find myself crying. Always, I'm always like, stop. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> die. I, okay, so, like, controversial opinion. I really like The Last of Us 2. Controversial opinion. Is it controversial? Oh, it's very controversial I like, to like so The Last of Us 2. I know a lot more about the sequel than I do about the first one. So do I. Like, that's kind of, was my lens, was seeing, like, watching The Last of Us 2, like, gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, So, like, the town of Jackson, it's perfect. Yeah. Like, it's exactly how it looks in the game. Plus, we got and, a little cameo. Oh, we did get a little cameo. Yeah. Um, and, like, I, listening to – so at the very end when they have, like, the the interviews, um, listening to Bella Ramsey talk about filming the scene. I don't get the, the one I know. Okay, well, she, she <laughs> talks about um, – there's a scene where um, Ellie and Joel are talking, like, when they're mm-hmm. in the house – 
Um, and apparently that's like shot for shot from the game. And it's like one of like the most known scenes in the game. So she felt like this tremendous pressure to like get it right. Mm-hmm. And just like, oh, it was so perfect. Everything about this episode was so perfect. I really like Tommy. He looks good. He does. He does. <laughs> he looks really good. Um, yeah. I don't like, I don't want to say too much without giving anything away, but it was no. really good. I cried, I'm really excited. Like I usually cry. Yeah. If you're in Canada, you're dealing with Crave being annoying. It's been like four weeks now. It crashes at 9 p.m. Because everybody's so, watching The Last of Us. Yeah. And it's so ridiculous that this keeps happening. And it's like it was down for an hour and a half last night. It's so stupid. It didn't come back until 1030. So like it sort of works like the app on your phone will work. But the like app within your like tv doesn't work like if you have a roku or, or a chromecast like that's what's broken so mm-hmm. like i'm able to watch it on my phone or like airplay it to the tv but i can't like cast it to create that's so weird it's really bizarre at least i can watch it but it's everyone's really mad and tweeting at hbo to like just open hbo in canada and take Seriously, it away from like Especially because obviously they, you know, the viewership is like extremely large. So it's like, why aren't we? Yeah. And like people are mostly signing up for Crave for HBO content anyways. Like, yeah. Crave so like just lose so many. Per- like, and especially with all the Netflix stuff going on, like in Canada, they are cracking down on the password sharing stuff. So, yeah, you, sh- you know, you like that. Crave, like even though like Crave has the problem with crashing when Last of Us is on, like in my opinion, has a lot better content than Netflix. Like, because you get all that HBO stuff. And we also get, like, a lot of, like, CBS, like, Paramount stuff Mm. on there. So, like, if you're looking at two providers, both are, like, $20 a month, like, Crave is better. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe they'll, like, work that out because they'll be seeing that more people, like, prefer it over Netflix. And that would obviously help them get more viewers as well if they fix the problem. Yeah, I keep getting, like, warnings on my TV, like, you need to select a main location. (sighs) Jeez. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. But um, we do have one more recommendation that you added. So you've been watching Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, so, like, I started Star Trek Discovery a while ago, but I just got back into it. And I just want to say... Holy crap, it's good. I watched the season two finale, which I'm sure some listeners have seen, like they're caught up on Discovery, but it was insane. And like Star Wars should be scared. Like (laughs) I was saying, I'm like really like the only Star Wars show that's like up to this like level of TV is like Andor. Mm, That's insane. Yeah, and, like, the things that it deals with, like, mental health and just, like, the, I guess, like, the social, you know, like, aspects of the show are just so clever and just in space and time and dealing with, like, astrophysics and time travel, it's, like, so interesting. And the acting is really good. We have, like, an incredible diverse cast it's, you know, like, Star Wars could never. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, that's really good. I, I'm always, like, on the fence because, like, I've never been, like, huge into Star Trek. But, like, every time I hear you talk oh, about it, I'm like, like, I feel I, like I, I would. This is, like, my entry point. 
Yeah. Like, I've seen, so, like, the Chris very Pine casually Star Trek. have seen yeah. the Chris Pine Star Trek. So, like, yeah. I'm probably, like, on the same playing field as you. Like, I don't actually know anything <laughs> about Star Trek. But Star Trek mm-hmm. Discovery is, like, incredible. Um, I, I can't get over how good it is. Yeah. Have to check that out. I'll, I'll add it to my list. <laughs> okay, so for news, we already mentioned this, so I'm going to, like, get it out of the way. Um, we are literally so close to Mando. Uh, as of this coming out, it's like what two weeks, like maybe barely. Yeah, yeah, we're so close. Which is so um, weird to me. It's very, I, I feel very mixed about it. Um, I am excited, but like we already said, like we are a little bit more excited for Daisy yeah. Jones. I don't even know if I would call myself excited. I feel very. I, apprehensive nonchalant about it like just very like oh yeah it's gonna happen and i'm gonna watch it so like i'm definitely feeling some kind of way but i don't know what it is (laughs) you know like i'm not feeling like oh it's this thing like i'm definitely like it's not dread i mean it might be apprehension i don't know i took i went on wikipedia and i took a look at the like episode list and it had you know like the writers Mm -hmm. and it was just like a lot of john favreau and dave filoni and like another man <laughs> some other guy yeah and i was just like okay more of the same i mean we've already <laughs> expressed this like we don't really know where it's going mm-hmm. so like i i feel like i can't really say anything until like we're in it because i just have no idea what to expect at this point so yeah but it is coming we are very close and the week after that we get um battle scars which I'm feeling apprehensive now. Yeah. It'll be okay. I'm, Shannon, it'll be I, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> but that actually reminds me, because this is our other thing. So we both saw Ant-Man. And Ant-Man is getting a lot of negative, like, press and opinions and thoughts. Like, I, Alex saw it first, and one of our friends saw it, and she was tweeting about it, and I was messaging Alex, and I'm like, am I going to hate this movie? And Alex is like, it's not Tross. <laughs> so, as long as it's not Tross, Like, I mean, okay. I was pretty confident you were going to have the same opinion as me, is that I had yeah. a lot of fun. I had oh, a I had lot so of fun watching fun. it. Yeah. Um, it's Is it the best MCU movie? No. No. Is it, but it's also, in my opinion, far from the worst. I would agree with that. Like, I I would say that it's far from the worst. Like, I was watching a review, and they said it was, like, their least favorite in a while. And I'm like, I don't know if I'd necessarily agree with that. Like, I think it's... Quantumania is really fun. I think they were trying to do a lot. Mm -hmm. And since they were trying to do so much, like, they definitely lost sight of, like the fact that it's an Ant-Man movie and they didn't really further any characters. There was no kind of like through line with that. It, it's mostly just setting up like Kang yeah. like and then like Scott being was, fun. Yeah, Scott didn't have any character growth. His like arc was very like linear. Like it was just. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody grew as a character. It was really cool to be like introduced to Cassie. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like if anything, like this was the two main things it was doing was introducing Kang in a bigger way than, like, what Loki did, and then introducing you to Cassie. Because, like, Mm -hmm. more than anything, like, I'm so excited to see her and, like, Kate Bishop. Yeah, Yeah, because they're form... They're doing that. They're going to form whoever the young... The new new cast of Avengers. I call them Mm -hmm. young, but at the same time, like, 
the original Avengers were young when they started out too, so it'll just be like the next <laughs> they feel, version. They don't feel like adults though. Like they're definitely like young adults, which I agree, like the regular Avengers kind of were too, but like they feel more young adults. Yeah. Um like I was actually doing the math because Probably because they're younger than us. <laughs> well, so I was doing the math. Because I went back and I started watching Black Widow. I only watched like half of it because it was before I went to see Ant-Man. And Yelena, before the blip, was born. So she was born in like 89 because it starts in 95 and she's six. Right. Mm -hmm. But then she loses five years. So she is now our my age. So she's like 27. Wait, you said 89 and she lost five years, so that would make her 94. So she's your age. Yeah. Yeah, So she's a 94 baby now. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, it's so weird to me because she feels younger than Shang-Chi, but Shang-Chi canonically was born in 96. Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) And he didn't blip, so they're like, he's older than her now. It's crazy to me that he's that young. But yeah, like... It's exciting getting new, pushing out the old. <laughs> yeah, well, I just, like, I, I like the way that they're doing it. Yeah. And I like that the old characters are still there, but they're, like, paving the way, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I'm excited to see, like, Scott Lang, because I love Paul Rudd's character. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm excited that, like, Cassie's going to step in and be the hero. And, like, maybe he'll just be, like, more in the background which, like, I'm okay with. Like, mentor roles, kind of yeah. like Robert Downey Jr. was to Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think that's that's really cute, and I like that. And I just, I want to see, like, her and Kamala and Yelena and Kate just hanging out, and then Peter Parker just, like, being adopted by them. <laughs> oh, yeah, because no one knows who he is. <laughs> Like, I I know you don't remember this, but, like, you know of, like, the Avengers fan fiction that was going on in 2012? Um, no. Okay, so, like, the main... <laughs> I, I wasn't, like, in it, but, like, I knew of it. The main thing about it is, like, all the Avengers, like, lived together and, like, just... They were just, like, hang... They were, like, all roommates, you know, kind of thing. Okay. And, like, there was always this weird thing about Clint Barton, like, being in the vents. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um... I know. <laughs> but I feel like that's going to make a resurgence with, like, the young Avengers. Because that, that's what I want to see. He in the fence. Yeah, he was always in the fence. <laughs> I need to do more research about I, like, want to know about this now. It was in... It was during the super Hulakian era. Okay, sounds like it, was it just though. this other side. And, like, they yeah. lived in, like, a big house. They all lived in, like, Avengers, t- like, tower or whatever. And just, like, lived together. With the drama. Like, the only way I can describe it is another thing that you probably wouldn't know, but, like, in Young Justice, (laughs) they all lived together. So it's similar, but it was Avengers. Like a college dorm. (laughs) Yes, like a college dorm. And so, like, they would be, like, cooking and, like, getting takeout and going on missions. And then Clint was in the vents. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what I want to see. And, like, I feel like, with the addition of Cassie, like, it feels more real. Um, I also just, like, really enjoyed the quantum realm as a whole. It was just mm-hmm. weird, man. I loved the dude who was like, how many holes do you have? I don't have any holes. I loved him. I don't he remember was, what his name is. I don't either, but he is everything to me. 
he is my son. <laughs> I thought a lot of the jokes are pretty funny. I really am. I'm very terrified of Kang. Like, yes. he's scary. Yes. And I feel, okay, I feel like we can talk about this one thing. So we both agreed that would have really would have made this movie immediately better is if there had been an old romance between Janet and Kang. Yes. All, um, of, the, all of the ingredients I think there. every person on this earth who has ever read any AO3 would agree with that statement. Yes. Um, it was I, very I just, clear to me that they needed someone who had ever read AO3 in that writer's yes. room. Listen, <laughs> I, I feel like Jonathan Majors was playing it that way. Oh, I felt like they were both playing it that way. There was chemistry. There was so much chemistry. There There's was more so... chemistry between them than her and Hank, 100%. And, like, I guess, like, the one thing I was like, oh, well, is it because of the age gap between the actors? But they, like, de-aged Janet. Yeah. Well, And, and I feel would've... like Kang doesn't age. Like, Kang is just kind no. of... No. I-, I think they would have been the same age when he got there, when they met. Yeah. And that just adds a whole nother trope. Like, mm-hmm. that's just, <laughs> it just adds on to yeah. it, you know? I just, like, um, this is, like, I guess, like, a slight spoiler, but, like, she does admit, you know, to having a bit of, like, a physical affair with someone in the, the quantum realm. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, guys, it was right there. Like, if you were going to do this to her, like, why, like, why with this random other character? Yeah, like, uh, they didn't need to do that. And I... That was one of the things where I'm like, we're just like throwing characters out now because then that one didn't come back. But I still thought it was funny. Like, I still really enjoyed it. But I, I do think that they were missing like the betrayal. They made a, like, they made every- a really fun action movie. Yeah. But they didn't make like a great like character film. Oh, you're right. Like plot was, was like fine. But like characters didn't have any development really. Yeah. So yeah. I'm excited for Guardians, though. We're going to see that together. We are. I'm so excited. We've never seen a Marvel movie together in the same place. Oh, that's true. I'm so excited. I think it'll be good. I think no matter what, like, it's going to be fun. Like, yeah. no matter what, because it's a Guardians movie. Like, I-, I think no matter what, like, Nebula, Gamora, like, they already look like they're going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, so with that, I think it is officially time to get back to The Bad Bachelor. But, like, here's the funny thing. Like, strangely absent for a majority of these The Bad episodes. Bachelor. Yes. <laughs> um, I want to say this right off the bat. So, and obviously we're going to be talking spoilers for these three episodes. Um, so we're, we have episode seven, which is The Clone Conspiracy. Mm-hmm. And it was a two-parter with episode eight, Truth and Consequence. And then we have episode nine, which is called The Crossing, mm-hmm. which is very much dealing with the aftermath of truth and consequences. So with our previous six episodes, we were kind of saying that they felt a little bit more adventure of the week, whereas these feel like more of a linear story. Yeah. And in my opinion, I think the premiere should have been seven and eight. And then we should have gone into the solitary clone and then back into the crossing. It, yeah, I totally agree with that with the first, you know, premiere episodes not having enough emotional, like, weight. I just, the way, especially, like, watching them back, the way they open up, because, like, the mid-season is really dealing with 
the fallout of the destruction of Kamino. So, like, the Empire now has no way to engineer clones, which is what they wanted. The whole reason they destroyed Kamino is because Palpatine wants to, you know, bring out his Stormtrooper army and have it be, like, actual people and that kind of thing. So they destroyed Kamino, but nobody else knows it. They are just told that it was, like, storms, wiped it away, blah, blah, blah. And we see them in the Senate pressing this issue of, like, we can't rely on the clones because of their accelerated aging. Like, they're going to, you know, die out soon. So, like, we need to focus on building an army. And obviously, like, people like Bail Organa and, like, that. They're like, why do we need an army if the war is yeah, over? Yeah, the war is over. Why would the we war need is an over. army? <laughs> so, you know, um, and the clone conspiracy, actually, like, the Bad Batch isn't in it at all. Um, we're mostly just focused on... Um, Senator Chuchi, who is very much like wanting to be this mouthpiece for the clones because she's like, has anybody talked to the clones about this? Like, why don't they have representation? Like, what do they want? Mm-hmm. And she goes out and tries to talk to some. And that's where we learn that like, there's a bigger thing going on. And like the truth about Camino is like, about to come out. I really like Senator Chuchi's design. I feel like Padme would love her. Did they ever, is she in the, did she ever have an episode with Padme in the Clone Wars? She looks familiar, so, like, I kind of want to say yes, but I don't know enough about the Clone Wars. fake Star Wars fans. Oh, yeah, yeah, I found a photo of them interacting. Did they? Okay. (laughs) So, like, makes sense, though, right? Like, makes sense. She's in, oh, she's even in that episode where uh, Anakin gives Padme his lightsaber. (laughs) So, like, an episode we've definitely seen. <laughs> yeah. A very important episode. A very important episode. Um, But, yeah, no, like, I, I really like that they, the way that they're utilizing her. Um, And I like that she wants to be this voice. She, to me, like, she, she really does feel like the embodiment of Padme. Because, like, at this point in time, like, Padme is gone, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, we see Bail She's speaking up for the little guy. She's she's speaking up for the little guy, yeah. Like, she is obviously not part of, like, any kind of rebellion movement, but she is proving that, like, there are good people that, like, want this still to work, even mm-hmm. though, like, we're now into an empire. Yeah. And I'm wondering if she, if she joins the movement. I feel like she probably does, like, 100%, because every other senator that we see who sides with her is part of the rebellion. So the big thing with this episode is just, like, trying to find out what's going on because they're getting this bill passed. We're introduced to a clone named Slip who, like, he knows that there's something going on because his friend was, like, saying, like, you know, it's they're lying to us. It's not true. Like, thing, other things happened and, like, his friend turns up dead. Um, and that's who Senator Chuchi ends up, like, talking with and trying to figure out what's going on, and Slip contacts Rex, but Rex never gets to speak with him because an actual clone assassin kills Slip, tries to kill Chuchi, when they interrogate him, he has no numbers, like, all of his numbers have been wiped, and he says that he's a believer and then unalives himself, it was dark for uh, Clone Wars, like Bad Batch. Yeah, Did he find? Like, we haven't 
dealt with this this season of Bad Batch at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like this season's been so lighthearted. So this was like, whoa. Like, well, even like the beginning, the beginning of the episode when um one of the clones is being killed. That yeah, like yeah. I found I found that really weird. Like I was like, oh, like the what is the tone of this show and who is it for? Um, yeah, because I feel because like this this is kind of like what we went in like kind of wanting wanting because. Yeah. Well, we mentioned this last time, like, we wanted to see more about, like, what's going to happen to the clones. How are they making their transition into their new army? And that's literally what they gave us. But it's so different from the rest of the tone where it's just like, is this for kids? Is this for me? What? <laughs> yeah. It, it feels like this show uh, fails at, like, identifying who they're for and i think there is like a way to tow both lines like you 100 like, percent, because they've done that like with rebels mm-hmm. and i think that's what they're struggling with with this show mm-hmm. i think like it's really hard for this show because they very much are like a sequel to clone wars so they're trying to fulfill that audience they also want to, like, capture new fans since it's am- animated and things like that. And, like, y- there is a way for it to be done, but I, I yeah. kind of feel like they are having trouble finding their voice. Because I-, yeah. I-, I think this episode in itself is, like, so unbelievably compelling. And it's part of the reason why I'm, like, it should have come first. Because then we get this with, like, an actual clone like, he's so deep in it and, like, calling himself a believer. Like, what does that mean? We don't know. And, like, you come off of, like, these two episodes and then getting thrown into Solitary Clone and seeing Crosshair. Like, that would have set up Crosshair to be following this journey of, like, what does it mean to be a clone still here? Yeah, like, they're, like, where, where is your end goal? <laughs> because yeah, you're going to be it is. exterminated, basically. Like, um... Where is Crosshair going? Like, where, where wh- is what's going to happen to him? Uh, I know what I want to happen to him. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, this just sets up, like, so many interesting questions. And then going into, like, episode eight, like, Rex finally calls in the Bad Batch. Like, they weren't in episode oh, 07 at all. And I would also say, like, with episode eight, like, they are not the focus. And I kind of like that. Like, if anything... Omega was, like, more of a main character in episode yeah. 8. She got to, like, be in the Senate and, like, see that, which is probably crazy for her. Well, that's, again, like, something that we kind of talked about, like, with Omega kind of, like, finding herself and, like, finding her voice and, like, what she believes in. And I, I, I really think that, like, seeing the Senate and, like, again, we talked about, like, a female role model. So now we have Senator Chuchi and, like, seeing how she acts. Like, I think Omega is, like, slowly trying to, starting to figure out, like, what she wants like who she wants to be like is mm-hmm. she just a member of the bad batch or like can she do something bigger like rex like cody like echo kind of thing yeah because they we've kind of like talked about this about how like they're kind of just surviving right now mm-hmm. there's no like plan beyond just surviving and just keeping her safe right and i think this even kind of like feels like the last of us because like omega kind of has some things in common with ellie too yeah it's like what 
what is she going on for? Like, where does she want her life to go? And I honestly think that I could see her becoming, like, if, if things had gone a little bit differently, like, becoming part of the Senate and, like, being the voice of yeah. the clones, you well, know? I mean, we don't know what happens to Omega in the future. Like, what no, happens we don't. to her past Return of the Jedi? And I kind of think this is the first time where I've ever, like, really thought about it and, like, want to yeah. see it. Because, like, you're, you're comparing her to Ellie, and just this week, Ellie was asking Joel, like, what do you want to do after this is all over? Mm-hmm. Like, and he, you know, he said about his, like, sheep farm or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. And, like, they were on this college campus, and, like, he was explaining to her, like, what college is. Mm-hmm. And, like, all those things. It's like, Omega could go to college, even. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like this is the first time where, like, This is even more like season one, because I feel like season one was really about, like, Hunter, right? And in these first six episodes, it it was very meandering. Like, it it was still kind of feeling like Hunter, like, being, you know, defiant and, like, wanting to just keep Omega safe. But, like, this is the first time I feel like we've ever stopped to, like, ask Omega, like, what do you want? Mm -hmm. Like, all of these options are open to you. And seeing at the end of this episode, which, skipping ahead a little bit, but, like, seeing echo choose something bigger for himself and then in episode nine like having that conversation with tech about change Mm -hmm. like i i finally feel like the door is open for like omega to like really make these like big character decisions like she's gonna finally give herself like allow herself to think about like oh maybe like i could leave this family and like they would still be my family but i you know just because I'm not with them doesn't mean they're not my family. And I, like... That's that's really good. Yeah. Like, I, I really, really love that because it's, like, that's what she's so worried about um, is, like, she wants to be with these people. Like, she, she was alone when she was on Camino because mm-hmm. she was different and she was kept separate. And so being able to see, like, I... I could go off. I could have my own life and do my own things. And I would still be part of the Bad Batch. Like, I want to see that for her. I just want all of them to survive and be happy. Yes, 100%. I want Wrecker on a sheep farm. I think he could do it. I was going to say, I could totally see him, like, just gardening and, like, baking muffins. You know what energy Wrecker gives off? He, well, not entirely, but he gives off, like, the fire truck from Cars. Like, he's just so big. But he just <laughs> water flowers be really gentle, you know? I was going to say, like, Kronk, even. He's definitely, like, a Kronk. Just wants to make his spinach puffs. That's so cute. Um, So I think, like, there's a couple of things with Episode 8. Um, but the Bad Batch are trying to steal information about, like, what happened on Camino so they can expose it in the Senate. And they do. And they're like, hey, look what Admiral Rampart did. Like, Admiral Rampart's, like, been the big bad. He's like, look what he did. And everybody's like, oh, my God. Like, he destroyed Camino and tried to cover it up. And then the guy who's always ten steps ahead, Mr. Papa Palpatine, is just like, you know what? Let's arrest him. And now that he 
has destroyed my cloning facility. And taken the fall for it. And taken the fall for it. You know, now we have no choice but to sign this bill because clearly we need an army to keep people like this out of fear. And I'm like, oh, my God. You remember when Palpatine was smart? Yeah. (laughs) He was smart every film up until Tross. Yeah. He literally took this as an opportunity and just threw Rampart under the bus and was like, how can yeah. I make this work for me? I can't believe, like, that that's the same man in Frost because he's so stupid. He's so stupid. <laughs> well, like, I just, you know, like, Palpatine was never, like, a mustache-twirling kind of, like, villain. He was calculated. No, he's always been, like, a cloak-and-dagger mm-hmm. kind of person. And... This, like, seeing this version of Palpatine reminds me of when we were, like, really in with, like, Inferno Squad and, like, Operation Cinder and all of that. That's what this Palpatine reminds me of. Mm -hmm. Like, having that contingency plan for if he were to die and things like that. Like, he was so ready. He's like, if this information gets out, it's not going to hurt me. It's not even going to be, like, a blip. I'm going to make it look like it was all my plan all along. And the Bad Batch played right into it. So the the last thing with episode eight is arguably like the biggest thing. Um, but we already mentioned that. So Echo does decide to leave and go with Rex. Because last time they were with Rex, he kept expressing to Hunter, like, this is what I want to do. And Hunter was just like, no. And so Echo finally takes it upon himself. Like, I'm going to go help Rex. Yeah, he... He kind of, like, just decides, like, you know, this is bigger than us just staying in our little troop. Like, we can all be doing something to help. And I Mm -hmm. think, like, it it really does, like, go into that whole theme of, like, what should the Bad Batch be doing now? Do Mm -hmm. they, like, right now what it seems like they're doing is just protecting Omega. But what they need to be doing is, like, preparing Omega for the greater world, like, outside mm-hmm. of them. Absolutely. And I like that at the beginning of the episode, like, Omega's talking to Echo about, like, his time before he was with the Bad Batch. And he says that, like, the reason he ended up with them is because that's where he felt like he belonged and where he was needed. And so I kind of like that they tie that back in with when we first see like echo being rescued because the whole reason he doesn't go with rex because he felt like he he didn't belong anymore mm-hmm. and now i feel like we've seen him you know mature and get his confidence back and now he's like i'm ready to join the fight again yeah i really like that and i i i found it so surprising like i i would see why it would hit omega so hard like losing somebody but I didn't realize how attached to Echo she was. Mm-hmm. I think, I I guess, like, for her, it was like, oh, this person's like me, and we've welcomed him in, and we're taking care of each other. We're a family. We're taking care of each other. Like, what else could he want outside of this? Mm-hmm. So it's, again, showing Omega that, like, there is more than just... Mm-hmm. Being on the run. So, like, basically what we're saying is that the show is going to heartbreak, like, like break our hearts when Omega finally decides to leave them. And I hope that we get to that point, you know? Like, it might be, mm-hmm. like, seasons from now where, like, she has that, you know, like, goodbye for now moment. 
Uh, yeah, I I could definitely see that, especially because like I, I would argue that like the Bad Batch kind of feels like her brothers, but I do think still that Hunter is like her dad. Yeah, like I would argue that like oh, Wrecker and it's Tech gonna and break our heart when she yeah. says goodbye to Hunter. Like that is gonna be like. Rock. Yeah, that I I'm that's gonna hurt. And like we see it, you know, like in Rebels, this found family that in the end does have to disperse. Mm-hmm. And I feel it's like that happens a lot. Yeah, I feel like that happens a lot with Star Wars. <laughs> um, so that does take us to Episode Nine because it's it's very much Omega dealing with the fallout of Echo deciding to leave. And what I really love about it is that she's angry, like she's so mad and Mm -hmm. she's upset she's like raging about like how could he do this how could he leave us how could you be okay with him leaving because the rest of the bad batch just kind of go on business as usual and she can't she cannot move past this and i love that they let her be mad like she's mad the whole episode she even storms off by herself Like, she gets into trouble, yes, but it's not because she's alone and needs the Bad Batch to save her. Like, it's just a consequence of the story. And, like, they really do give her the space to, like, process this loss. Totally. This is a very interesting episode. Well, especially because most of it is, like, with tech. Mm Mm-hmm. I I don't know. You know, with Tech, it's, like, stereotypically the most, like, unfeeling character, right? Yeah. Like, he, like, at least stereotypically, that's what you would think of him. But, you know, he, I think, processes his emotions differently than some of the other characters. And he's actually Mm -hmm. able to, you know, process it and, you know, explain it to her. Yeah. I, well, because, like, a lot of it is presenting as, like, being very cold and unfeeling. Mm -hmm. I would actually argue that it's not that Tech has processed it. I I almost think it's that he's, it's because he's not processing it. Like, he he's shoved it down and he's like, we're not going to think about that right now. Because he's so, like, analytical. Like, he's not a feeling character. Yeah. So he just, he he just pushes it down. He's analyzing it more than feeling it. Like, he's like, oh, there's you know, a reason for this that I can analyze and explain and it's not just feelings. Yeah, like he's not allowing himself to like feel the emotion. He's just like, well, it makes sense that he would do this mm-hmm. and we have to be okay with that. But it's like, but are you okay with that, Tech? Are you okay though? You know? It's not okay. Um, and like my favorite thing is, is that when he's explaining this to Omega, like he actually does mention Crosshair. Like the Bad Batch have not mentioned Crosshair they don't acknowledge like, crosshair. They don't. And hearing Tech say, like, comparing this to crosshair leaving and being like, this mm-hmm. was just a decision that they made and we have to acknowledge that. And yeah. that's their I journey. Guess, that's like, their mission. That's another interesting thing is that the people who have left the Bad Batch, like Crosshair, Omega never hears them talk about him. Mm-mm. So, like, the idea of that, of like, one day, what if I left? They would just and they never talk about, about me. me. Yeah, yeah. Well, because that that actually opens up an interesting thing for it's like, what if? And I I don't think this is actually the case, but like, what if the reason they're not talking about crosshair is because uh, just like with this, like they're just not processing it. Like mm-hmm. they've just decided like 
we can't think about that because we have to keep moving forward. Like, they haven't allowed themselves to, like, feel the grief of losing their friend. Yeah. I really like that. I don't think that's the reason that that's been happening, but, like, (laughs) I really like that idea. Um, Because, like, that's one of the things that makes me so sad because, like, I want to see this redemption for Crosshair, and it's really hard to see, like, the Bad Batch just continue on business as usual. Because I I feel like that just contributes to when we talk about, like, Crosshair feeling like he doesn't have anywhere to go anymore, you know? I mean, he's going to be – he's going to be faced with the decision of be killed or figure something out. Yeah. And with – as it stands right now, I – don't know if the Bad Batch would accept him and I feel like he also is having that feeling so like if he leaves like he would be alone Mm -hmm. I am also really interested in the fact that with this episode so they're on this other planet they were mining something that's explosive blah 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 and they're stranded here because somebody stole their ship and the episode leaves off unresolved and that's really interesting because again we're still not in Adventure of the Week like it's bleeding into the next episode again next week yeah. We have seven episodes left, and a lot can happen in seven episodes. Mm-hmm. I, like, they're stranded on this planet. Like, I I want to know, like, what's what's going to happen? You know, like, I'm actually, like, really interested to see next week's episode, to see, like, where we're going, or this week's episode, to mm-hmm. see where we're going. We talked about them, like, finally realizing, like, they can't trust Sid or things like that. Because Sid, like, is not forthcoming with help. No, not at all. So I wonder if this will be finally how they escape Sid. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I like it. Can theorize all we want. But at the end of the day, I'm not sure. <laughs> so is there anything else about these episodes? I kind of feel like we we got it. Yeah, I think so, too. It's it's interesting that we're pulling all these themes from the show. I I think that sometimes on like on their own the episodes can feel dull, but from like a broad point of view, it's like oh, there's something interesting going on here. Hopefully, you know, this season sees it through and we are, you know, faced with Omega making some choices maybe. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that she's going to leave the bad batch yet, but like, you know, her actually coming to the realization that one day that might happen and her figuring out who she wants to be. Mm-hmm. Well, and I feel like that is, that's very inherent to Clone Wars as a whole. Because, like, we know this. I still haven't watched all of Clone Wars. I just... It's very hard for me because I think, like you said, like, on their own, some episodes, like, it's just not it. But then when you look at the big picture and you see, like the threads that are being put into place and the overall picture that it's making, then it's like, wow, this is actually, like, really stunning. But not every episode does that. Sometimes it's, like, a little thing. Um, And so that's really interesting that Bad Batch is still doing that. I hope that they continue with this because I feel like since the midseason, like, I've I've been way more into it. So I hope that continues up to the finale. Like, I, I want to see this yeah. continue. I, I don't want to see a return to Tech the Pod Racer. Like, listen, that was cute. But, like, I am enjoying this emotional conflict. <laughs> and we have the bug episode coming up. Oh, that's what right. What episode was the bug episode? Infested? No, Metamorphosis. Yeah. It was Metamorphosis. 
Is it? I guarantee it's a bug. Oh, it's eleven. It's It's eleven. What's ten called? Retrieval. Retrieval. So that's just them being rescued, I'm sure, or them getting their shit back. That would make sense. Um, And then they go to an episode full of bugs. Metamorphosis. (laughs) I'm trying to see if there's any info here about the episodes now. There's not. Yeah, retrieval, metamorphosis, the outpost, Pabu. Pabu? Yeah, like P-A-B-U. Okay, so that's got to be like the name of something. Like a creature or something. Yeah. Pabu. Um, Pabu. (laughs) And then the tipping. So episode 14, tipping point. That seems interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the two-part finale is The Summit and Plan 99. The Summit. Karma takes all my friends to the summit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm interested. I I think it sounds like I I think the finale is going to be good. I think the finale is going to be very interesting. Um, I'm not sure like all the episodes getting there are going to blow us away, but... I have more hope in this part of the season than I did the beginning, I feel. I'm feeling good about it. Excited for next week. Be interesting um, when Mando starts and there's overlap there. That's going to be weird, I feel like. Because um, we still have, like, to the end of the month with... I'm sorry, to the end of March with um, Bad Batch. So there's going to be, like, four episodes worth of overlap. I wonder how good Bad Batch is doing on Disney+. Plus. Is anything doing good on Disney Plus? Well, I mean, like, relatively, like, to each other, I guess. Because I think when Bad Batch first came out, like, season one, they really marketed it, and there was less going on on Disney Plus. I think it probably, I don't know. Yeah, this time they they really let it kind of slide under the radar, and it's overlapping with Willow and Mando. Yeah, so I don't know how well it's doing, if season two has, like, kind of, like, a final end to it, or they're planning on getting renewed. I don't know. I kind of hope that season two ends on some kind of, like, resolution, so that way, like, if they get renewed, they could keep going, but if they don't, like, it doesn't feel like they left it hanging. Well, with that, like, end title being Plan 99, like... I, I I feel like after the mid-season, I feel pretty confident that it's going to be, like, rescuing the rest of the clones. Mm-hmm. Like, before they are, like, terminated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I'm excited to see that. And I I still feel like, like, that would be a good resolution, but I don't see that tying up Crosshair at all. So, that's a little disappointing, but at least it would feel like there was, like, a a reasoning behind the Bad Batch because it was, like, saving the rest of the clones. Totally. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Lipstick and Lightsabers. If you would like to keep the conversation going, you can find us pretty much always on Twitter or Instagram at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and Alex is at Alex Leonis. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.